guys, it's me, Ken Shamrock, Hall of Fame. And I want to give a shout out to my friend Keon Kamara. He has the best MMA videos around, so you better give him a follow or else. God bless. Ken Shamrock was MMA's first icon. The fighter who had an illustrious combat sports career became the first ever UFC super fight champion and the first king of Pancrase. He wasn't only considered the best fighter in the world, but also the most popular. But after leaving the sport to make more money in pro wrestling, he came back but didn't find the same success as he did early on. So how good was Ken Shamrock actually? Hey guys, it's Keon and today I'm going to talk about Kenneth Wayne Kilpatrick who is better known as Ken Shamrock. Ken was the first big name in the sport of MMA, but people tend to forget it due to the latter half of his career. Career. So today I want to take a look at his rise, his fall, and his impact on the sport. Before we get to it, shout out to the undisputed members of my Patreon. Become an undisputed member and get early access to my YouTube videos as well as Patreon-only videos and a shout out before each one. And please check out the Keon Kamara podcast which contains all my YouTube video content as well as fight recaps. That's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Now let's get to it. Ken's MMA career began in 1992. Prior to his debut, he started off as a pro wrestler and quickly became popular in Japan. Japan, where he was known as Wayne Shamrock. Most of these fights were predetermined until Ken fought Don Nakaya Nielsen in a legitimate match. The fight ended in 45 seconds after Ken took Don down and attempted a rear naked choke before securing their Americana. The success of this fight led to Ken as well as Japanese wrestlers Masakatsu Funaki and Minoru Suzuki to form a fighting promotion called Pancrase. Now if you haven't seen my boss Rutin video, I go in depth on what the rules were for fights in Pancrase. Because as much as it was similar to MMA, I would consider it more as a sport of hybrid wrestling. The main rules included no closed-fisted punches to the head and rope grabs to break submissions. And of course the main thing was that these fights were real and not scripted. So on September 21st, 1993, Ken made his Pancrase debut against Masakatsu Funaki. He secured the takedown early and the two began reversing each other on the mat. But then Ken secured a scarfhold headlock and a toehold that forced Funaki to grab the ropes and lose 2 points. The fight finally ended with Ken locking up an arm triangle choke that forced Funaki to tap. He came back a month later to fight Yoshiki Takahashi. It was a competitive fight early as Yoshiki secured takedowns and attempted a few submissions. But Ken didn't tap or rope grab. He was good on the feet by connecting with some open palm strikes, kicks, and knees. He also secured three arm triangle chokes in this fight with the second one putting Yoshiki to sleep for a couple of seconds. But the ref woke him up and gave Ken a red and yellow card. Regardless of the penalties, he finished the fight with a heel hook. A month later, he fought Takaku Fuke. Ken immediately threw heavy knees before taking the fight down where he finished Fuke with a rear naked choke that put him to sleep. Four days after this win, he flew back to America to enter UFC 1. In the first round, he fought Patrick Smith. The fight ended in under two minutes minutes after Ken took Smith down and locked in a heel hook that forced the tap. In the second round, which was on the same night, Ken fought Hoist Gracie. As much skill as Ken had on the floor, Gracie introduced the world to his fighting style of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and it proved to be too much for Ken who tapped out to a sleeve choke in under a minute. Following his first pro loss, Ken's popularity attracted other fighters to train with him which led to him starting the first ever MMA team in the US. He called his team the Lion's Den. He went back to Pancrase and fought Andre Van Den Otelar. The fight ended at the minute mark after Ken secured the takedown and locked in the heel hook that forced the tap. On January 19th, 1994, Ken fought Minoru Suzuki. Although he secured the takedown early and attempted an armbar, Minoru ultimately ended the fight with a knee bar. Ken grabbed the rope but because Minoru held onto the submission for so long, his leg took too much damage which forced him to forfeit. Three months later, Ken came back and fought Ryushi Yanagasawa. Ken suplexed Ryushi a couple of times, locked in a non-triangle choke that forced a rope grab and finally finished him with a heel hook. Another three months later, Ken
Ken fought Matt Hume. It was a competitive fight on the feet and Hume also secured a few takedowns. But Ken was the aggressor with his grappling as he forced Matt to rope grab multiple times before suplexing him and locking in the Kimura that forced him to tap. Many people believe this fight was fixed. And to add to that belief, Ken would say in 1998 that him and Matt agreed to work the match. But in 2015, he said the only thing he told Hume prior to the match was that he wasn't going to go hard on him because he believed that he was much better than him at that point due to his experience. 20 days later, Ken fought Boss Rutin. The two were swinging wildly at the start of the fight before Ken secured the takedown. And now Boss was in his world as he had to grab the rope three times to break off submissions. The fight finally ended when Ken secured the rear naked choke that forced a tap. Two months later, he fought Masakatsu Funaki for a second time. Although Ken secured the takedown early and was looking for submissions, he ended up getting reversed which led to a rear naked choke by Funaki. Ken went back to the US and entered the UFC 3 tournament. His first opponent of the night was Christoph Leninger. Ken secured the takedown early before throwing punches that forced Christoph to tap. He advanced to the second round where he fought Felix Lee Mitchell. The fight was mostly in the clinch before Ken secured a takedown and locked up a rear naked choke that forced a tap. Ken was going to the finals but once he found out Hoist Gracie pulled out of the tournament due to exhaustion, he opted to not continue on. He also suffered a knee injury earlier that night against Christoph Leninger and this also added to his decision not to go to the finals. Following this tournament, Ken went back to Japan to fight Takaku Fuke for a second time. The fight ended in 3 minutes after Ken secured the rear naked choke. A month later, he entered the King of Pancrase tournament, a tournament that was to crown the inaugural Pancrase Openweight King. He fought two fights in the opening round. His first was against Alex Cook. It finished in 91 seconds after Ken secured a heel hook. In the second round that same evening, he fought Maurice Smith. This too was a quick fight that saw Ken bring it down early before securing the arm triangle choke. If you thought fighting twice in a day was crazy, imagine doing it again the next day. That's what happened to Ken in the second round of the tournament. And his first fight was the rubber match with Masakatsu Funaki. Once again, another dominant grappling performance by Ken who locked in the scarf hole chokehold before finishing the fight with an arm triangle choke. Ken made his way to the finals where he fought Manabu Yamada. It was his first fight to go the full 30 minutes. Ken was dominating Manabu by securing multiple takedowns and attempting multiple submissions. Even though Manabu didn't tap or rope grab, the performance was enough for Ken to win by unanimous decision, thus becoming the first king of Pancrase. Ken came back a month later to fight Leon Dijic. The fight was competitive on the ground as both men were scrambling to get on top of the other. Ken finally secured a toehold that forced a rope grab. Moments after, Ken took the fight down again and this time cranked a heel hook that caused Leon to scream in agony. The fight was definitely over. In March of 1995, Ken was set to defend his King of Pancrase title in a rematch against Boss Rutin. This fight was even quicker than the first as Ken took down Boss immediately and secured a knee bar that forced a tap. After this win, Ken went back to the UFC and fought Hoist Gracie for a second time. This was the promotion's first ever super fight, which meant that neither man had to fight in the tournament. And I think a lot of this was due to what happened at UFC 3. Regardless, it was the most anticipated fight in the promotion at that point. But unfortunately, it was very uneventful as Ken spent a majority in Hoist's guard with very little action from both men. After 36 minutes, the match was declared as a draw due to the lack of judges. Ken returned to Japan to defend his King of Pancrase title in a rematch against Minoru Suzuki. Much like the first fight, it ended in a knee bar, but this time it was much faster. After the two scrambled for dominant position, it was Suzuki who got a hold of the submission that forced Ken to tap, thus losing his King of Pancrase title. So Ken returned to the UFC where he fought UFC 5 tournament winner Dan Severn. The fight was to determine the inaugural super fight champion which was basically an openweight title. The two wrestlers immediately clinched and tried to take the other down with no success. Ken almost got a hold of a guillotine choke and after Dan got out of that, he secured another one that forced a tap. Ken Shamrock became the first ever super fight champion. He went back to Japan to fight Larry Papadopoulos and Pancrase. It was a quick fight that made its way to the ground before Larry tapped to the Achilles lock. 
and this was possibly Ken's most brutal submission as Larry was in sheer agony. Ken went back to the UFC to defend his title against UFC 6 tournament winner Oleg Tektarov. It was another uneventful fight that saw Ken take down Oleg and remain on top where both men threw strikes. The fight was declared as a draw due to the lack of judges. Ken would later say in his autobiography that he did this because Oleg was his friend and also trained with the Lions then. Ken was also trying to help him get into Pancrase and basically pulled off another Matt Hume scenario where he didn't want to hurt his opponent too badly. Regardless, Ken retained his belt. He went back to Pancrase in December of 95 where he fought Kasuomi and Nagaki. Ken took down Nagaki with a huge suplex before finishing him off with an arm triangle choke. A month later, he fought Kazuyo Takahashi for a second time. It took place on the feet for a majority of the fight and Ken was winning most of the exchanges. His performance was enough to win by decision. This was also his last fight with the promotion as he had a falling out with Pancrase management. So he fully committed himself as a UFC champion. With his next title defense against Kimo Leopoldo. Ken secured the takedown immediately but got reversed by Kimo. Then while on his back, Ken secured a knee bar that forced Kimo to tap. At UFC 9, he fought Dan Severn for a second time. This event took place in Detroit, Michigan where the district attorney was trying to prevent the show from happening. A deal was made that it could continue if there were no closed fisted strikes to the head or headbutts in any of the fights. If either of those two rules were broken, it would lead to an arrest. All of this plus injuries prior to the fight made Ken consider pulling out, which would have cancelled the entire event and that was something the UFC could not afford to let happen. So after much talk with the UFC, he finally agreed to fight Dan Severn. But the fight famously became known as the dance in Detroit as both men were circling each other for a majority of it. The most action was a takedown attempt from Severn which was denied by Ken and led to him being mounted. Ken spent time on top throwing open palm strikes to the head and punches to the body. But Dan eventually reversed him onto his back and began throwing headbutts, elbows and punches which opened a cut on Ken. All this was illegal but Dan did not get arrested. Instead the fight got back up to its feet where the two continued to circle around until the end of the bell. It was a very lackluster fight that saw Dan Severn win by split decision, which meant that Ken lost his super fight championship. He came back 7 months later to fight Brian Johnston. He took Brian down immediately and threw punches before making him tap to a forearm choke. After this win, Ken stepped away from the sport and signed with the WWF as there was very little money in MMA in comparison to wrestling. So he stopped fighting for almost 4 years before coming back in May of 2000 where he fought Alexander Otsuka in the Pride Grand Prix 2000 Super Fight Finals. And he made a huge statement by finishing the fight with punches that knocked out Otsuka, which was the first knockout win of Ken's career. And from this point on, Ken transitioned his fighting style from grappling to striking. This was mostly due to the injuries he sustained when he was wrestling, which hindered his grappling abilities especially when he would shoot for a takedown. Three months later, he fought Kazuyuki Fujita. It was another dominant performance by Ken who was picking apart Fujita on the feet for most of the fight and also had him in a tight guillotine choke at one point. Then out of nowhere, he forced his corner to throw in the towel. He would later say he did this because he felt like he was having a heart attack. The doctors would later confirm that he was having heart palpitations. After going back to the US and winning the WMMAA heavyweight title against Scott Atkins via Kimura, Ken went back to Pride in February of 2002 to fight Don Fry in a long-awaited fight as not only were these two certified legends at this point, but they also did not like each other at all. If you haven't seen my top 10 greatest fights in Pride FC history video, this fight was on the list because because these two men went to war. They threw heavy shots at each other in the clinch before Ken attempted an ankle lock, a knee bar, and a toe hold. Don refused to tap which injured his leg badly. Regardless, he was the aggressor on the feed and even knocked down Ken at one point in the fight. But while off his back, Ken reversed the position and attempted another ankle lock that looked really tight. But Don refused to tap and attempted a heel hook of his own. Both men continued to torque on their submissions until the bell rang. The fight was close but Don was ultimately the winner by split decision, and the two put an end to their rivalry. 
This fight took a lot out of both men and they were never the same after it. Regardless of the loss, Ken was given the opportunity to fight for the UFC Light Heavyweight Championship against champion Tito Ortiz. It had been nearly 6 years since he had last fought for the promotion. And it was against a guy who Ken had a lot of animosity towards as Tito was disrespectful to him and the lion's den. And this feud was going on for years before the two finally met at UFC 40. Which made this a highly anticipated matchup that was crucial for the success of the UFC to continue in a time where they were struggling financially. But even the present of Ken back in the UFC was huge as he was a big name at this point. And even though he got dropped early by Tito in the fight, he returned the favor as well. But from then on, it was all Ortiz who was a much younger, stronger, and faster fighter. Throughout the three rounds, Tito was dominating on the feet and on the ground. By the end of the third round, Ken's corner stopped the fight. He would later say that he fought with a torn ACL and was considering retirement as he never lost two fights in a row. In November of 2003, Ken as well as Hoist Gracie became the first fighters to be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. He came back at UFC UFC 48 to fight Kimo Leopoldo for a second time. The two clinched immediately before Ken connected with a knee that knocked down Kimo before the fight was finished with strikes. This was his second and last knockout win. Following this victory, he fought Rich Franklin. He lost the fight after he slipped on the kick and was ground and pounded by Rich until the ref stepped in. In October of 2005, Ken fought Kazushi Sakuraba. He lost the fight after Sakuraba connected with a bunch of punches that dropped him and forced the ref to step in. The stoppage was protested by Ken who believed it was early. Regardless, he went back to the UFC to coach the ultimate fighter opposite Tito Ortiz. After a drama-filled season, the two fought for a second time at UFC 61. That fight ended quickly after Tito took Ken down and finished him with elbows. The stoppage was controversial as many including Ken believed it was premature. So a third fight between the two went down 3 months later. And it went down just like the second fight. Ken got taken down and ate punches before the ref stepped in. Soon after, he made amends with Tito and the rivalry was put to rest. But the rivalry between him and the UFC reached an all-time high when they released Ken from their promotion. He decided to sue as he still had one more fight on his contract. But Ken ultimately lost the case and had to pay back Zufo $175,000 in legal fees. After being out for almost a year and a half, Ken fought Robert Berry at a cage rage event in London, England. After failing to take the fight down, Ken was finished in the first by punches that forced the ref to step in. A year later, he fought Ross Clifton in a War Gods fighting event. The fight ended in a minute after Ken dropped Ross with the right hand before finishing him on the ground via armbar. A submission that Ken had trouble securing many times in his career. Unfortunately, Ken tested positive for steroids after this fight and was suspended for one year. He came back to Impact Fighting Championships to fight former UFC heavyweight champion, Pedro Hizo. Pedro finished Ken with a leg kick and punches in the first round. In October of 2010, he fought Jonathan Ivey. Ken was the aggressor on the feet for the most part, and it was enough for him to win by unanimous decision. But the most memorable thing from this fight were Ivy's barrel rolls. One month after this win, he fought Mike Bork in South Africa. Although Ken knocked down Mike early, he ended up getting reversed and injured his hamstring after trying to get back up. The ref stepped in after seeing Ken wince in pain. After this loss, Ken took the longest layoff in his career as he hadn't fought in nearly 5 years. But he finally made his comeback at Bellator 138 against Kimbo Slice. Although Ken took the fight down early and almost locked in the rear naked choke, Kimbo escaped and ended up winning the fight by punches. Many believe this fight was fixed and Ken took a dive. 8 months later, Ken fought Hoist Gracie for a third time. He lost in the first round after Gracie connected with knees before bringing the fight to the ground where he finished Ken with hammer fists. But the win had its controversy as the replay showed that the knees by Hoist landed to Ken's groin. Yet the ref didn't stop the fight and the decision wasn't overturned. Also, Ken failed his pre-fight drug test which had his fighting license revoked by the Texas Combat Sports Commission. In July of 2019, at the age of 55, Ken officially announced that he had no plans to fight again. So after going 28-17-2 and in a career that saw him become the first UFC Super Fight Champion, the first King of Pancrase, the WMMAA Champion, and the Pride Grand Prix 2000 Finals Super Fight winner, how good was Ken Shamrock actually?
At one point in his career, Ken was such a good fighter that it earned him the nickname, the world's most dangerous man. But that seems to be forgotten due to the latter half of his career, one that many believe dragged on for way too long. And that's unfortunate because not only was Ken one of the best fighters in the world during his prime, but he was also the most important. His early success was huge for the sport of MMA to become popular, especially in North America. Because during a time when the world's best fighters were coming from Brazil and Japan, Ken was the American who had the skills to keep up and a tough guy persona to stand out. And honestly, he really did seem unstoppable during his prime. His game plan was predictable for most of his fights, which was to take the fight down and lock in a submission. Yet most of his opponents were unable to stop that because not only did Ken have some of the most elite grappling in MMA, but he was also very strong and quick. And after years of injuries, those two traits diminished and that impacted his fighting style greatly. And with the amount of pride Ken has for fighting, it was no wonder why he may have overstayed his time in MMA. If he retired in 1996 and pursued wrestling full time, his record would have been 23-5-2, and, and with most of his major accomplishments happening during this stretch, his legacy would have been viewed much differently. And that's the biggest thing I want viewers to take away from this video. Regardless of his fall, he still had one of the most amazing career peaks. Because not only was he a phenomenal fighter, but he was a star in a sport that desperately needed popularity to help continue growing. Had he stayed in wrestling, the fights with Tito Ortiz wouldn't have happened and those were crucial in saving the UFC. His rivalry with Hoist Gracie was also very important for the UFC's initial rise, which is why his career gets a 9 out of 10 from me. He was the first official UFC champion, the first king of Pancrase, and the first person to start an MMA team. He was the first to do all these things when no one else dared to try. And that mindset right there is the reason why Ken Shamrock will always be the world's most dangerous man. My name is Keon and this is my take on how good Ken Shamrock actually was. Do you agree, disagree, or have something else to add? please put it in the comments down below because I love to read it. If you like this video, please give it a thumbs up and subscribe to my channel for more content like this. But that's all I have for now, so I'll see you on my next one.